0: Hey, this is uh, Jay Gonzo, creator of La Mano del Destino, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics.
1: Got nothing to complain about with that one. That's strong to very strong. Yeah.
2: Nothing. Sure you won't. That's right. (laughs) Hard and fast. Ah, that's
1: the way I give it. Wow! Oh, snap. Innuendos flying. It's like we're on a Queen oh, album.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I was somewhat prepared tonight, but I'd be, be prepared any other night? You know what <laughs> I gotta say? Over. Why is this
1: one? I, I, Like like the rest of the, the country, I've been investigating the streaming media services. There's not a whole lot to watch on Amazon Prime.
2: Uh, Amazon doesn't, except for like, um, uh, the the Grand the, the 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 Top Gear show,
1: the Pacino thing's good,
2: but Although oh yeah, know the, the Hunters is great. Yeah, but it, uh, it's but they don't everything that Prime puts out is usually, except for Grand Tour is is um is bingeable. Like Grand Tour comes out every week. Very few things from Amazon come out every week, so they put it all out, so it's, and, and and their episodes aren't, the episodes are usually 8 or 10, seasons are usually 8 or 10 episodes long, so it's not It's not like the Netflix 13 or anything like that, so it, it's very easy to consume quickly, like the Jack Ryan and things like that, so um, yeah, they yeah. also go a long, but I, see, I don't, I don't agree where there's not very much, because there's like 4 or 5 or 6 seasons of Bosch, and that is a Great fucking show, mm. um, but I'm looking like at their your- movies,
1: right? Do you guys
2: have Plato's oh, yeah. Plato's Closet in your area?
1: Do you have that no. store, Plato's no. Closet? Well, what it is is no. it's a it's a consignment shop, like a second hand shop. You okay. bring your old clothes there, and they sell them. Blah blah blah. Um, Prime to me is like the Plato's Closet of the streaming. Like their movies are all busted. They have all the shit that has been seen to death. That I I wouldn't know many people that would want to watch these things like not from what i have seen not top tier studio things like we're talking about second and third tier things direct to video things and
2: it's like what are you okay are you talking about amazon prime video originals or are you talking like through the fire stick like you can watch like IMDb TV or Pluto TV, things like... So 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 the Fire Stick, Amazon is basically just like a portal to these other streaming services. And when you've launched a Fire Stick, you're going to see things I, I don't that- know about no Fire
1: Stick. I just bring up the app on my TV. And it's like, boom, Amazon Prime. Here's what you can watch for free. Here's a shit ton of movies, none of which I want to see. There may be one or two... Things I've seen that I would maybe watch again, but for the most part, it's just one long, long stream. I mean,
2: because they did did give you, you know, "Tool to Die Young."
1: Yeah, that's good, right? But that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like few and far between.
2: Right, they'll they'll give you
1: something really, really, really good, like like Hunters. And then
2: yeah, see, I'll, I I don't. I mean, now you, I mean, that's fair. Now that you mention it, it's it's. I don't think of Amazon Prime as as a place to go to watch the movies. That's that's yeah. for Netflix or HBO. Right, like it's, Netflix,
1: there'd be stuff on there Amazon that I can be like, all TV. right, I'll watch this. I, would, I would, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's 11- oh, eleven. Yeah, we're doing this. It's eleven o'clock. Comics episode six hundred and sixty-two.
2: And I am Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. That is facts. And I am the American Nightmare,
0: Cody
1: Rhodes. (laughs) You're watching that again?
0: I never stopped. Can't stop, won't stop.
1: Oh, okay. You're not Cody Rhodes. You're Jason Wood, everybody. All together for this Book of the Month episode. Brought to you by who? What? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. That would have been a of a segue.
2: Yeah, uh, I know it would yeah. have been. Um, but but before that I, 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 step, up, he's he's watching like I am AEW Vince yes, AEW. WWE. Yeah, not we're not. I haven't watched WWE in I don't know how long. Correct. So yes, yeah, I so don't know what AEW is. He's still watching that. It's not. He's watching the good shit. Okay, yes.
1: send me a link the to whatever shit. whatever that is. A little
0: lull after it first started, but it's got, it's been really good. I yes. Think, yeah. You
1: guys blew up the promo. You obliterated you,
0: yeah, it, it. Absolutely. But it's fitting. It's fitting.
1: <laughs> it is, I guess. And, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Those
0: orders about to be blown up.
1: Yeah. Uh, discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, where you can, in theory, get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door with a minimum of effort. Go online, plunk, plunk, plunk. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to get. Remember, DCBService.com has a sister store in stock trades where you can immediately get everything you want to order. Boom, boom, boom. I want all these trades. You'll get a box with all the trades and hardcovers in it that you want. It's effortless. Um, there was a list of specials up for this month. I'm going to rehash the three that I picked. Bermuda, number one from IDW, $2.49. Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology, which is, I think is on all of our order forms, Right uh neil gaiman pre-kig russell 3.99 cover price dollar 99 for you and from mad cave studios it's stargazer number one of six antonio fuso on art anthony cleveland writing two dollars 19 cents um i think this is a good a segue as ever uh what with this uh pandemic we have going on it was recently announced and jason i'm going to Flipped the ball over to him because he is far more qualified to talk about this than I. I saw the news and I was like, oh, bummer. But Jason, <laughs> he's, he's our man on the scene where this is concerned. And- yeah,
0: well, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the news is flying fast and furious. Uh, and for the last few weeks, a number of publishers have been coming out with their own bits of news and decisions. And they range, depending on the type of publisher and the size, from we're not going to put anything out for now to we're going to ratchet back our catalog to business as usual, right? So it was kind of like catch as catch can and um with so many LCSs forcibly closed because their cities or states are in shelter in place situations, um it was it was stressful for the LCSs and and then came the news that Vince alludes that uh none of that really matters now because uh, Steve Jeppy, the founder and CEO of Diamond, the only uh, distributor to the direct market for comics, announced that they effectively are full uh, and are going to no longer be able to receive any new uh, content from anyone in the industry for the foreseeable future. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that was a shocking... Well, it wasn't a shocking announcement in the sense that if you take a step back and realize every business and supply chain is being hurt. Meaningfully, it was logical to think that uh, an industry that has one distributor and two distribution centers for its entire industry would be subject to some kind of disruption. But I guess none of us had really talked about, like, the what-ifs of that. And uh, so it it finally became a reality. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I think that uh, the first – Like the first moments that the news broke, everyone, myself included, thought, oh, this is this is like the death knell of the direct market, possibly, depending on how long it lasts. And while that's still maybe true and we'll talk about it, I'm sure we can all riff on it. um, I have heard from a number of store owners that are contending that in a normal situation, not being able to get new comics for the week is disastrous for them. But since this isn't a normal situation and like we said, a lot of them have no customers right now. Having Diamond not ship anything is actually a better outcome for them in the near term because they don't have the cash flow to pay Diamond for the new books anyway and the new books aren't going to get sold. But uh but nevertheless the way we sit right now is Diamond is done shipping new content after this week. So like they have in their warehouse all the stuff that was going to ship for this week. Um and then they will just be shipping any reorders that they have in stock. So uh, if, if people, if, if they have back, back order stock or second printings or whatever, they have an inventory, they're happy to, uh, accept those orders from stores and ship those out. But for now they're not taking any new stock in and, uh, there are like many businesses leaving it open ended as to when that, when that stops, right. It'll just depend on how the world is. And, uh, if they decide it's worth starting back up. So pretty crazy times, man, pretty crazy times.
1: Yeah, it's true, but, um, we can, we can get into it. But I, I'm torn on this one. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Uh, there's a joy. I, mean, I
0: assume people want to hear our thoughts on this, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's,
1: yeah. There's a joy that comes every month with getting that previews catalog.
0: Yes. we and, just, I just got mine today.
1: And chopping it up and circling it and saying, I want this. And it, it's akin to the Sears catalog when we were kids right? To to look at all these pages and pages and pages of good, good stuff. And, oh, I want that, and I want that, and I want that. And you go beyond your means, and you stretch. and But it's still fun, and there's a whittling down process. But the whole thing has become a vital component to the art form for me. But there's the side of me that has always supported and loved independent comics that sees diamond as not a good thing for independent publishers. Diamond has always catered to the big two. Um, and in later years, they've expanded that um, red carpet to image in a sense and, and maybe IDW and, and um, what else? Boom, maybe, right? Uh, Dark Horse to a certain extent. But for the most part, if you didn't move a certain amount of units, Diamond relegated you to the back ass of the catalog, where in in a lot of circumstances, publishers couldn't even get in to the Diamond catalog because they they, they couldn't guarantee a number of units moved. And if you did managed to get into the Diamond catalog, and your numbers slipped below what they considered minimum uh, tolerance, you got booted. I know a bunch of publishers that used to be in in previews that are no longer there because Diamond said, you know what, you're not worth our time. You're only moving a couple hundred books a month. Get out of here. And so for the commerce side of it, a monopoly, I guess, uh, that sustains the lifeblood of all these thousands well is it really thousands of comic shops whatever the case mm-hmm. all, all yeah. these thousands of comic shops is is a very necessary component to the industry as far as revenue is concerned artistically and uh for anyone that's not sitting pretty at number one or number two it's a tough slog and and it it, it doesn't allow for any kind of artistic growth because marvel and dc are very very set in their ways they produce books that their their readers have become accustomed to over the decades they want what they want and they get what they want in most cases where you know somebody like slave labor or last gasp and and, and the 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 lower echelon publishers that that produce work that's different and vital and um, that takes chances and isn't uh, crafted w- with the um with a certain reader sh- no that's not true that I- that isn't crafted with um components that would ensure mass appeal let's just say those guys get overlooked they get shun shunted to the side and they get eventually just removed from the picture so artistically diamond is had never been a good idea for comics Uh, Even when there was two, Capital City and Diamond, it was still two distributors. And it was better because if you couldn't get into the Diamond catalog, maybe you can get into the Advanced Comics catalog, right? Either of which um, didn't really support the little guys like Jason Carnes or um, Matthew Allison. Like Matthew Allison hooked up with um, Ad House, which is great but could he ever ever gotten into the previous catalog on his own like just publishing the stuff himself yeah no and and look at the, you're talking about a powerhouse creator that couldn't find a place at the diamond table because he didn't fulfill the requirements of what they deemed necessary for their attention it's it was ridiculous right so i like i said i'm i'm torn i love diamond because they feed that fanboy um Nature that I've had since the the seventies, and on the other hand, they stomp out a lot of really creative endeavors because they don't give them a forum to sell their work. Mm-hmm. Am I? You think any of that is off base?
0: No, I don't think it's off base. But I don't think like I feel like you just made an argument for why Diamond is the sole distributor is not ideal, which has been an like that was the that was true. Oh yeah. The day we started the show, and sure. that was true a month ago, right? Like, yeah. I think the issue right now is that it is still the only game in town for ninety plus percent of comics, and now that game that that game is boxed up in, in the closet, and that's like the real issue. And I mean, here's the, all right. So here's here's the way I look at it. There are a couple things. One, um, there are it depends on who you ask, but there's roughly, let's say, for the sake of the conversation, two thousand comic book stores in the in the United States. Some say it's a little less, some say it's a little more. But, like, let's say there's between 1,800 and 2,000 paying Diamond clients, right, that pay Diamond to get books. Um, The vast majority of those stores are small, either part-time run or sole proprietorships that do not rake in the dough when it comes to profits. Many of them are barely profitable. Some, in fact, aren't even profitable in good times. So they do not have the luxury of being out of business for even a month or two. That pretty much does them in. So I did a little asking around and the baseline assumption is if assuming this goes for at least a month, which I think is a very safe assumption given what's happening with the virus, um, you know, we should be thinking four to 500 stores are done, which is 25% of the industry's ability to get comics in the hands of the people who buy and read them. That's a big deal, man. Cause that's a real big deal for the booms and the IDWs and the dark horses and all the little guys down the line, right? The, the, the much more so than it is for Marvel and DC. Right.
1: And
0: so what I worry is that if this gets protracted, we're going to end up at least for a while losing The stuff that really floats our boat the most, Vince, the stuff you're getting at, like the stuff that is in the back of the previews and the stuff that's, you know, because because they didn't they don't have much room for margin for error. Um, True. So, you know, that's the part that concerns me. And not to mention, I I hate the idea of a lot of hardworking small businessmen that are keeping a hobby we love alive. Go bye bye. Um,
1: I agree with you um, that. Uh, we will lose a lot of those smaller publishers but don't you think the internet and online sales and generating that part of the business on their own doing what diamond never did for them in the per- in the first place advertising and and just you know carpet bombing relevant areas of the internet with advertising or word of mouth, right? Just, I mean, you've seen it a million times that you throw people on relevant forums and say, Hey, I heard about this book. Like total marks for the company or actual sure. employees of the company just going in sure. to try and generate, you know, grassroots response.
0: Like us, we're on the take for
1: sure. A, oh, yeah. But, um, I think smaller companies could actually weather this better. Look at Alterna, a book I'm going to talk about tonight. Alterna, from what I've, sussed out they have they still are going to get their books printed there's there's some kind of agreement with with whatever printer they use and a lot of alterna's revenue comes from their own site and their books are so cheap that someone could say all right i'll go i'll take a a chance on this dollar fifty book while i'm at it i'll pad out my order because i'm not going to spend five dollars in shipping or whatever it is to get one book i'll just you know i'll I'll order this a couple other things and great i'll get a a a bag of comics in the mail where i would normally get a giant box from you know dcbs and I, i think maybe smaller publishers I mean, they're not going to break the bank, but it could sustain them long enough for whatever rises out of the ashes of this terrible predicament. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I hand all this stuff over to you. I'm a dreamer. I like to think that, you know, the little guys are going to find a way in this calamity, when more often than not, it's probably not going to be true. But I still hope that the the guys like Ad House and and, like I said, slave labor and these little... Maybe ten employee less companies, uh, like Nobrow, I think Nobrow would probably do well in this online. I, they have their own presence. I don't know. I don't. But I'm hoping. Right? If, if there's a way to solve this problem that isn't diamond related, that could possibly benefit the entire industry. I guess we're just—we're.
0: I think we're just talking about different parts of what you define as the industry. Like all the things you're bringing up are things that already weren't really being serviced by Diamond in the first place. Right. So, <laughs> right. But like they're and and while I know they're important to a lot of us, they're they're so fringy that like that that's not re- like this news isn't really about them. Like, Alterna is going to be Alterna. Like it's not like I would imagine there's 20 stores in the country that regularly stock Alterna comics from Diamond, right? Like maybe 50 in major cities at like Tops. So I think like the numbers a, a little low, do, but yeah, okay. okay. I'm I'm hundred maybe then. All right. But my point is like, you know, like you said, they do a lot on their own website. Same thing, I, you know. I, but that's not the industry. The industry is the ninety-eight percent of comics that are sold through Diamond to stores, right? Like, which is, you know, I mean, like DCB Service, right? Like, like our friends. I mean, they, they you know, they, they're twenty percent of of the volume for a lot of these smaller publishers, like by themselves. Right. right. Well, maybe so, that's my
1: entire point that the comic industry is not diamond the the comic industry diamond is marvel dc and a couple other
2: publishers In front of the catalog yeah, yeah. so i mean yeah. that's basically
1: yeah. what the, the <laughs> giant volume that comes out of diamond is the top two and a little bit of you know straggling yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: well I, there's a lot of ways we can go at this i think what you're saying and i think david and i we we all agree that if like with all with everything that's going on right now there's it seems like you can't have a conversation about any, whether it be the the disease itself or any business that someone might be in. We all have to kind of, like, game out the worst-case scenario. That seems to be the new thing to do, right? Like, well, what's the worst that could happen? And, you know, things get pretty draconian. So let's say what you're getting at is that if this is a draconian scenario where, for all we know, Diamond's got a lot of debt already and, and this does them in, so forth, so on, and, and the whole industry is shaken up and this pushes DC and Marvel to basically just go the digital – And uh, bookstore route, so forth, so on. And this is, like, truly the end of the red market as we know it, which I don't think is the case. But I'm saying, like, let's just play that scenario out. To your point, and I think one that we would agree with, is that comics is going to survive. Oh, yeah. Like, the the art form of comics, sequential, illustrated storytelling, never going away. If if we have a Great Depression and half of the world is out of work, there will still be people in their homes hanging out of places creating comics and finding a way to get them into people's hands like that will always be the case so from our vantage in terms of that we like all kinds of comics that we talk about all kinds of comics yeah we're going to do us right like 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 we could do this show for the next 20 years literally if no if no comics were ever published again i mean we've got enough
1: that, stuff to that's talk about. truth yeah yeah
0: but but again like that being said the industry which i care about a lot not listen. I don't know too many store owners other than the Merklers, and they're going to be fine from this, obviously, because not only are they large enough that they're well capitalized, but they also are, <laughs> as it happens, mail order. <laughs> so they're in a in a way better positioned from this to than almost anybody else because they, they they're like perf- they are the social distancing alternative to your LCS. <clears throat> um, but where I'm, where I get upset about this or hurts my heart is, is th- that we keep talking about comics in big parentheses, but comics is all of our friends that we see at cons comics is every person we, we chat up at artist alley comics is every guest we've ever had on comics is every, you know, book we excitedly talk about the people that the, the five or six people that went into making that book creatively, like that's comics. And right. most of them are not financially, like most of the world, most of them don't have the the wealth and the savings to 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 be okay without months of work, you know, I mean and, and, and again, I say this fully understanding a lot of people that are listening to our show are in equal straits with their own businesses, and, and I, so I'm not suggesting like, woe is them I'm saying woe is the world, but like, I love those people and I love this industry, so that's where I get worried, like, I, I don't have much empathy for the poorly run local podunk LCS where basically dude is, you know, runs a pretty crappy business that he hasn't iterated in 20 years. Like I don't have much empathy for them, but I have empathy for people like challengers. Right. And like isotope that have crushed it and like busted their asses to make amazing places and evangelize comics. And through no fault of their own, except that they're located in major cities, like they're now facing possible bankruptcy. Like that sucks, you know, because they serve as a, as a, um, a genesis point for so much of the of the love that people have for for comics, and not and by and for in those two cases, very much not just mainstream comics, but but lots of alternative comics. So, so like that's the whole thing. Like, and, and again, this is all pretty premature. I mean, Diamond hasn't even technically not shipped anything yet. Like that doesn't, that doesn't even go with tech until next week. So, who knows, man? Like, maybe it's a two week thing. Maybe it's a a month thing, and 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 it's a non issue. I don't know. I, I that we don't know. I can say that right before we recorded, uh, DCBS sent an email to all of its clients, all of its customers, so it wasn't just to us, but yeah. just everybody, just explaining that um, Diamond has extended the uh, order cutoff date for March previews, so DCBS will be taking orders through April 3rd, um, and then they also are planning on uploading and releasing the April previews catalog, and we'll be taking orders for that uh, as normal. Because remember, for our listeners who don't do the previous thing, um, April previews is for comics that ship in June or later. So there is still hope out there that Diamond and, and a lot of businesses will be back to work in earnest by June. And if not by June, then certainly shortly thereafter is a reasonable hope. So, you know, it's really more about, like, what happens to... Comics that were due to ship in April and May, like our last two previews videos, all the stuff we raved about in those videos, are the stuff that's kind of in limbo, right, right? But most of that has already been made. A lot of it's already been printed, or or is set to be printed, so it will eventually get out there. Like I don't think a lot of what we've already hyped about, is, or seen in, in, in previews, or talked about, is not going to make it to print. Um, it's just a matter of like what happens in the interim. Like most of the small creators. Not, most of the small publishers have essentially paused creation of new comics for now um, to save money. So, like if you're a, if we if you're if you know people or like a book that's at Boom or IDW or places, most of those places have dramatically curtailed plans. Again, some have paused completely. Some are, are just stretching things out. Um, Marvel and DC, last I checked, as of yesterday, are saying to their creators, uh, everything is normal. We we have a schedule. We're going to pay you to do the books we were planning on paying you to. We're going to keep making the books, we'll print them and get them out eventually. So carry, carry on. So if you're a Marvel or DC creator, I, I have a feeling this is going to be okay for you. At least, at least if doesn't, this. I mean, if this, look, if, if the economy shut down for three, four, five, six months, different story, I'm sure. But right now it looks like Marvel and DC are just going to treat it as business as usual. So I guess ultimately in an ironic way, that's probably what, like what, like 80% of, of fandom cares about. Right. Yeah. So like, for 80% of fandom this might this might be nothing more than a minor inconvenience in that you're going to have to wait a month or two to pick up a giant stack of comics maybe you know it,
1: and and times like these could instigate a wave of invention and novelty within the industry yeah. because mm-hmm. say we do have a protracted uh downturn in the economy when things start to bubble back up i think publishers uh, specifically Marvel and DC are going to be more willing to lower prices because mm-hmm. be- no I'm just saying because I mean all right who's going to pay $5 for a comic if the economy's in in the toilet right isn't it better to sell it at 2.99 than than 5 and and sell a certain amount than to sell very little at 5 like I'm just saying the the desperate times desperate measures Mm-hmm. where you, w- we may see new alternatives in distribution we may see uh alternate pricing schemes or more value added for the the customer to instigate separating themselves from what little money they have i i'm it, it, you, this is the times when these things happen when um it gets rough and changes need to be made whether they're willing or unwilling Uh, reluctant to do them they won't do them if times are are good and businesses uh continuing as usual not nobody's going to change a business that's operating at a certain level and you know the revenue continues to come in there's no reason to change anything if it's working Mm -hmm. so now that it it possibly won't work maybe it will instigate some change and change is always good it, it it maybe not short term but long term change could evo- the, the industry could ev- evolve into something better out of this who knows
0: yeah i mean you're right change is unpredictable right like not all not all change not all things that come out of a bad situation are end up being bad like you said right necessity is the mother of invention so right i mean i i i think i know we've gotten a lot of questions from our patrons and stuff about you know, what they could do to help their stores and that sort of thing. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? So so every store is different, but ultimately, what all businesses in America are dealing with right now is just a complete drop in cash flow, right? Like, just businesses, essentially, there's no revenue, but lots of costs still. So if you have an LCS, like DAP has an LCS, you you kind of, I guess you have an LCS, I mean, you don't go there very often, but I don't, but my, I mean, DCBS is my only vendor, but um, but if you have an LCS that you like, and you want to help try and support them. um, There are things you can do. Number one, you can reach out to them and make sure that you don't have a Regina pile stored up with your pull list. Lots and lots of store owners just die because they, they do loyalty programs and they create pull lists and people go months without picking up their books. And like that may be a convenience for you, But that is an incredible drain on them financially because they've already paid for your books. Right. So that's just cashless sitting there. So if you, again, if you want to support your LCS and you, you're not worried about your own job and you have your own, you're feeling okay financially, uh, go to your LCS or call them and say, I want to make, I want to clean out my pull list, my, my, you know, my backlist by that. Um, if you have an LCS that you go to and you want to help them and that's not the case, you can start a pull list right now, which is great for them. Um, and, Last but not least, for a lot of the places that are closed, like with Challengers, for example, um, you can buy gift certificates. And really, that's effectively like a Venmo, but you get something in return, right? Like like you basically are prepaying them for future comics. And again, like I'm not saying you go out and do this if you're on a budget or you're worried about your job. But if you're just trying to help out a store or two and you're not worried about your own money, you can like go to go to, let's say, Challengers in Chicago. They have gift certificates on the website. You can you know, buy twenty-five, fifty, hundred bucks. They get the cash right now to help keep them afloat while they have to be closed, and you still get the comics. Just when they reopen, you go in with your fifty-dollar gift certificate and you buy fifty bucks worth of comics, right? So, like, there are ways you can do to support it. Um, now, I'm taking a, a different tack because, again, I don't really have an LCS that I'm like desperate to support, um, but I do, as as you can imagine, know a million creators and. You know, there are a few creators that cake up, but most do not, right? Most are are, are working hard for their money and, and, and eking out modest livings. And so um, a lot of them are getting hit doubly right now because their work for hire work is getting throttled back. And there's no cons, so they're kind of losing two big chunks of their income simultaneously. And so what I'm doing is a lot of these awesome creators that normally wouldn't have time to do commissions uh, are offering up commissions and many cases like incredibly like incredibly attractive rates just because they need the money and um, it's a win-win so I've been definitely active on that front so there are ways you can help again if you feel like you can afford to help right a lot of you listening maybe you're worried about your own businesses and your own jobs and if that's the case man you got to take care of yourself first like obviously like take care of your own first and don't worry about other people's stresses but if you are looking to help, there are ways you can help. Yep.
1: And again, I think it would be a, a neat way for those stores that are still in operation to find off-the-cuff ways of getting books into the hands of people. Um, maybe not current books, because as we know, there's. I think every comic shop in, in, in the country has existing stock of some kind some obviously more than others some have thousands of books on hand including trade paperbacks and hardcovers um thousands upon thousands of back issues run some kind of deal where hey two trades and a stack of comics for 20 bucks just to generate you know what i mean like a like a mystery package or if you give them some kind of uh a tip off as to what you you what kind of genres you like like yeah i'm a dc fan I, I i've i've been for a long time all right well here here's a dc package for you that has a couple trades and some some vintage back issues 25 bucks mm-hmm. drive by we'll hand it to you at the curb there you go uh, i'm not saying that could save businesses but any money generated is better yeah, than, than yeah, none exactly. at all
0: yeah i mean listen like, it everything is going to be tough for a lot of businesses but but a couple hundred dollars in cash flow here or there, coupled with hopefully some state and federal aid, could be the difference between keeping their doors open when all this passes or not. So it, it does it does matter. I mean, like every bit matters right now, right? Well, like I- losing 50, 50% of your sales is horrible in a in a, in a regular environment. You'd oh, be, yeah. You'd be apoplectic about it. But losing 50% of your sales right now could mean still paying your rent and keeping the doors open versus losing 100%. So it does matter.
1: Right. Speaking from experience, uh, specifically comics on the green in in Scranton. Yeah, D- ordered- Dave Dave runs a great business. Um, I think they're. Uh, I haven't touched base with them on it, but I believe they're closed, as is most businesses. OTA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Dave buys collections from people. Yeah. And he has a plethora of the kind of books that don't get sold on a regular basis. Um, yes, for every, you know, uh I'm being extreme, for every Hulk 181 in someone's collection, there'll be hundreds of books, maybe from the 90s, maybe from, you know, the DC yeah, and Marvel cast, right, 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 That that nobody actively seeks out on a regular basis. And when you walk into the store, he's got shelves upon shelves of trade paperbacks and hardcovers and a back room with just, I would estimate. At least a hundred, probably more, long boxes. Mm-hmm. Just at, from what I can see, of stuff that he has accumulated by buying collections. So why not scoop into that reserve? Dave has the opinion where he'd rather sell a book at a loss, or you know, not make a ton of money on a book just to get it out, yeah. keep this, keep the stock moving. Uh, he's got a great insight into business like that. Well, you know, you you walk into your typical stores and you see books on the wall where they have a price and that's what the the owner wants to get for him. Dave's willing to take a a cut to get to get the book out of there.
2: You know, I mean, I I would think that not only does it get added out of there, but but the way I look at it is if if I had something, if I had a book that's going to bring someone joy, if I take it at a yes to get it out of the store so I can make space for something else, but also to make someone's day because now they're going to read something that they're going to enjoy. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer for, for, so for my shop is a, a not essential business. So it's, it's, it's one of the stores closed in my neighborhood. Um, I wrote to them earlier today, looking at after, after looking at the new release list and and what was on my order. Um, and, and, they're they're doing deliveries, but when I wrote to them earlier, um, they're they're going to verify what I about my my order and possibly deliver it by tomorrow. And really, the only thing I'm re- I really am missing, and it's fucking bittersweet, of course, is is previews. But mm-hmm. you know, if, if they're, I don't know if uh, I mean I might get a the doorbell may ring tomorrow and. Here's your books and and that's great, I mean I'll gladly meet them, but they can't they they can't they can't be open for business obviously they're they're probably in the shop getting things ready, but you can't walk in and buy your shit and and my shop is they started cutting back on um i mean they 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 buy the big two stuff and they will occasionally um buy some things from the back of the catalog that that catches their eye that that they might just have on the shelf thinking that you know someone might might pick it up but for the most part the, their bread and butter is is the games there's the board games the card games oh, cool. they have tournaments they have they 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 got a bunch of things from Games Workshop and they're always offering discounts they're always having tournaments that was that was the hardest thing for me to see is that they were canceling the events obviously they had to with the yeah. gatherings but uh, you know so so yes i'm there for my comics and and i was there for blackstone fortress but th- i'm I'm there for my comics but that's not the only thing that that they rely on to keep the lights on so mm-hmm. um it's nice and and they'll have special the time of they, time they they go big on the, the free comic book day and and so you know whenever they have whenever diamond offers whatever specials there are a couple times a year they they Participate in that because they're you know hopefully we'll get some more people into the shop. But they they do well. They, they're a lot of the businesses here are really friendly with one another, and they all seem to they all kind of know each other and and they know their customers. And uh, if if you go to one shop and a block over, it's it's there's a restaurant and people probably know each. It, it's just it's a really close knit community, and I like that. And and everybody's kind of we all realize. We're in this together, I mean not just the residents of of the city but the shopkeepers and and we all want to see everybody get through it and prosper but um the shop does have they have long boxes of of inventory and and i've I've bought boxes because the, the contents were things that I've sent to patrons in their care packages and and I've gotten deals on on the long boxes and and if this you know as this continues I will gladly buy another long box or two to help them out. And I mean, I just figured that just makes sense because whatever's in those boxes is going to get sent out. So it, it's, it's win-win. So yeah, yeah once idea. I, once I know what kind of, um, how they're situated and, and what's going to happen next week with, with, with the no new books and how, you know, cause they're probably going to, Run things online. They'll they'll probably just have like an online store, and they know the inventory they have in the store. If someone's if if they see something if someone sees something that they have in stock, they'll go to the store, get it, ship it out, whatever. So they'll so basically for now, the comic shop is kind of like their their stock room, their warehouse, and and I'm pretty sure they're not the only people who are thinking that, but they're still looking at. They haven't shuttered and and like you know, we'll see you guys in a couple months when all this passes. They're still working to get their inventory into the hands of the people who want it.
1: Yeah, they have to innovate. Yes, exactly. Oh, definitely. It it
2: demands it. Um, What
1: Dave does is, it's really cool, he'll periodically, he'll look at his racks, and he'll say, he'll look at all the miniseries. And, like, if he has, say, I don't know, a a Black Hammer miniseries, five issues, pulls them off the shelf, puts them in a bag, sells them at less than cover, less than what... The eventual trade will be.
0: Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I think that's the right way to do it. I think mm-hmm. it, I
1: think that's an awesome way to do it. And, Absolutely, and, no and, uh,
0: inventory just means people stop looking at your back issues. Exactly,
1: right. Yep. And and so as you, he's got him positioned beautifully, as you're perusing the back issues in the long boxes, there's a rack up at eye level, which is all bagged miniseries. You know, Team Titans or or, or whatever. Uh, and and if you see a ten issue. Or twelve issue miniseries for like six bucks, seven bucks, you'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll take this mm-hmm. home. Why not? And it's a just a great way to keep this, this, the the this the stuff moving. But I think in times like these, it's important to get on top of your your uh, symbolic roof and scream to the world, "Hey, get on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Instagram." I just read this comic that was produced by. This guy in his basement and he published it himself and it's awesome and you should check it out and make sure you put the details. The guy's got a website or the guy doesn't have a website, but you can find him on Twitter or Instagram with this name. Like you need to, 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 to shake up the dust and get word out. Like our buddy Daniel White, dude, does awesome commissions. Yeah. If you look at his stuff, like he does, Daniel's real good with self-promotion, so I shouldn't have used him as an example. Some guys aren't so good.
0: Like, uh, like Carl Slaminski or, Gonzo
2: yeah. or,
1: yeah. or, yeah, like Jay Gonzo, like who does awesome commissions. If you see this, the, the guy's work and, and you are experienced with him, go online and say, man, look at this. I bought this and it just lit up my world and he's available. So, or she, uh, these people are available. So why don't you throw some of that money you normally would have thrown at, you know whatever uh, and and generate some business for these guys cuz they're great and girls when i say guys i mean all genders that's my bad but these people get on there and and help them promote because they can't do it all by themselves the, you know the, you can't make work and have the time to get online and just constantly slam away at your your socials to you know self promote there, there has, there's no happy medium there. You either do one one day or and one the other day, or you know what I mean. So help these people out by doing it for them. If you think their work is is valid and it has merit and it it just makes your heart pump with joy, get online and tell people about it. Yeah, for sure. Right, for sure. All right, that was well, a b- damn. It was a bit cathartic. Book of the month. Yeah. Oh, this is this is the the book of the month now episode. Yes, the book of the month episode featuring Evan Dorkin's "Milk and Cheese: Dairy Products Gone Bad" by Dark Horse. It's a very very thick hardcover featuring all of the appearances oh. of Milk and Cheese to date, all the number ones. Um, um I was talking to Dapp. Uh, before you got here and and uh while i have a a super soft spot for milk and cheese uh Mm -hmm. i've loved the strip ever since i encountered it way back in cerebus like early cerebus um and then uh i was a a fan of uh evan dorkin's pirate Corps, and they appeared in in his comic uh and they appeared in deadline usa and more, more often than not it was a once the the uh, self contained, so it was milk wherever and- he
0: could find a home for it.
1: Um. Yeah. Until slave labor said, "Hey, right, right, you right. know, let's yeah. get these, let's do number ones," and um. But I've always loved milk and cheese. I I find Dorkin hysterically funny, but the takeaway from reading this giant compendium of all of the milk and cheese strips was that it's far too much of a good thing too much milk and cheese or lactose
0: intolerant yeah um yeah,
1: so
0: I, before you go on though let's let's uh because you just said <laughs> how, no you just said how you discovered it dap why don't you talk about uh your experience with it and i'll just go before you because it's quick this is the first i've read of it so
2: that's what i figured uh yeah. it's um it this is i mean i've i didn't buy the the first issues, all of my experience with Milk and Cheese were in, um, were backup features or, or gags in other places. And I just, I probably had one issue somewhere at one point. But uh, I never it's it's not so much it, it's not like it's event comics with Ash or, or, or the Milestone stuff where anytime I see something I have to get that no matter how many times i've I've bought it or how many copies i have it, it milk and cheese was just something that i laughed at or with every time i read it and it's there's a connection there with me and and the late 80s early 90s and and that's um so it's more sentimental than it is a a actual physical um love connection it, it's just it's it, it's more it's more of a anecdotal or memory triggered kind of thing for me and and i but they've always been it's, it's, i've been reading longer than they've been around but they always have seemed to have been a part of my reading the career of of of, of being involved in the comics it's it's they, they've they've always kind of been there they, they showed up a little later than when I started reading, but they always seem to have been there for me.
1: Okay. Vince, you have the floor. I have the floor. Wow. I'll well, take, you were in the midst of saying Yeah, I'll, I'll take read the, read the ceiling. Um, in a nutshell, if you haven't read Dorkin's Milk and Cheese, they're a pair of anthropomorphic dairy products, a- a milk and a block of cheese, a carton of milk and a block of cheese, that are basically mouthpieces for Evan Dorkin to ply his sardonic, razor-sharp wit at a number of targets. That's all it is. Uh, One strip he'll rail on drugs or music or the education system or comic book conventions or Star Wars. Like Whenever Dorkin thought he could make fun of, in that strip, he he used the the milk and the cheese to, to just go in and just destroy whatever subject he was pointing his, his uh his finger at. That's all the strip is. But it's hysterically funny. Um my favorite is the Merv Griffin strip. Where it's just yeah, milk yeah, and cheese yeah, yeah, screaming Griffin. Merv Griffin and just destroying everything in their wake. There, there's not an intellectual component to that strip per se, but there's something very attractive to me of these, just these two bloodthirsty, destructive little dairy products going in and just ripping shit apart while screaming Merv Griffin. It it, it works on a, a level that do, doesn't necessarily need to be explained or can be explained, right? Um, but, and I was saying what I started to to bury the lead going in, one strip, five strips, maybe less than 10 strips in one sitting is fine. But to read a couple hundred pages of them <laughs> is, mm. it's maddening. It's, it, it, uh, it's, it's too much. I think the book should have come with a ribbon strip so you can take it off the shelf and read when you still can do it. Just stick something in the pages. But I mean, I like ribbon strips a lot. So, you know, you read what could be the equivalent of one issue back in the day, put it on the shelf when the mood strikes, you go back to it, but sitting down and reading page one to page 250, whatever is just a maddening anxiety ridden experience.
2: It's, it's too it, much it's not you could do that with you know the nancy collection or or the bloom county library sure. or even dunesbury you know you could sit down and read a bunch of comic strips one after another you could do that you could spend a whole day reading the calvin and Hobbes slip case and and get lost in it and have a great time and and you're going on these adventures but this is this is just it it is it's it's too it's great but it's too much and it's too much in one sitting it's like vince said just sit down read a few strips go back to it when 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 the mood strikes but it's i mean it's a great collection i'm glad it's been archived i'm glad it's here you can read it whenever you want but it it wasn't um and i'm glad it won i'm glad it was recognized i'm glad people read it and, and are enjoying it and and i i want to hear from the listeners, if they read it for the first time, what they thought about it, if they got through the whole thing, if they needed to take breaks, if if people who have read it revisited it with us, uh, but it it is a lot. It is a lot. It, yeah. it, this wasn't something that you needed to binge cover to cover. You could definitely, uh, and we're not we're not about to go through. It's it's very hard for me anyway. It's very hard to dissect and and try to get into. I, it, we don't need to say, I wonder what Evan was thinking when he wrote District. Mm-hmm, we know mm-hmm. what he was thinking. No, he was... I, I absolutely love... I'm going to cut you off. But I absolutely love Evan's style. I, I, I look at the faces in Milk and in Cheese. I love the crosshatch. I just love the way Evan puts pen to paper. And, and I got lost in that more than I really did with their antics and, and they're running around and whatever they were screaming at, at kids in school buses or whether or not, you know, their, their first issue special means that it is not just another word for retard. I don't care really so much what the words are. I'm really looking at their, I, I'm going to say expressions, even though they constantly tend to only have the one expression on their faces. But I just, I really like the way Evan draws.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that the compendium showcases very well is dorkin's artistic growth from i mean visually the early strips are v- are very good but they're nothing compared to what comes very towards true the, yeah, yeah, they're he refines and, his style yeah, 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 and um it's uh, like uh, particularly the eyebrows of milk and cheese they get bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on um his his composition and layout is impeccable towards the end in the beginning it's rough but that's good because the strip is is rough um thematically right what he'll do is he'll often put a montage of of circular panels while milk and cheese go to destroy or to lambase whatever subject he's currently railing upon like the one there's one on consumerism milk and cheese are in a mall and and they're they're busting up a Macy's and then they're in a Spencer's Gifts and they're like wow well, I want my gift where's my gift and then they they burn down a Walden Books, um, they destroy a video shop and then this is where Dorkin's penchant for humor or his his tendency to to be a great humorist like he's got impeccable timing. There's a bubble that says stop for slushies. And it's just milk and cheese drinking <laughs> slushies, and then they go to CVS pharmacy and destroy the place. Like there's the, the the juxtaposition of all the carnage, but milk and cheese have to stop for slushies. And and their eyes are squinty, and they're having such a good time drinking these slushies. And the sound effects go pfft, pfft, pfft. like it's great that that he he has a a knack for those really quiet those pauses that I think work well because everything else is just a whirlwind of destruction. And uh, I mean, I love him. I think he's, he's unbelievable. Uh, he's unbelievably good. He, he has a soft spot for vintage TV. Um, the, the one that I love, love, love is the, uh, Nipsey Russell one. When, when they're doing, um, the, the bad, uh, TV, uh, what was it? Bad Match Game, uh, actors. And, and he's the, the, I forget if it was Milk or Cheese. He's pretending he's Nipsey Russell and the poet, poet laureate of Match Game. <laughs> and, and he's, yes. he's rapping in, in Nipsey Russell style as he destroys things. Yeah. You know, And it's, it's stupid and it's silly, but holy crap, is it funny? And again, it's, it's akin to, Hey, did you ever hear that joke? Uh, I'm going to repeat it and I'll do no justice to the joke at all. Um, it, it's kind of hard. Uh, it was cheese. That was Nipsey Russell. And he says, to catch the milk, I'd better hustle because I hate being old Nipsey Russell. <laughs> like, it's just, it's dumb. It's just plain out dumb. Um, <laughs> it, it certainly is, but, yeah. uh, it, you, it, it strikes a, a, a that funny bone that makes me giddy when I read it. Not only because, again, Dorkin is very good with humor, but it takes me back to the days mm-hmm. of, the, of the the dirty, gritty comic shops that you know things lurking in there that would make this current pandemic like uh, you know it was bad back in the day. And that just it's just, pre- it's, just a, it's a time capsule, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Don Knotts. what the hell
2: <laughs> is, is, is it was is it uh, comedian Fred Trevelina I mean there's just there, yeah. there, there are they're definitely it's 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 of its the, the 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 jokes the gags are are of for the most part are of that era of whether it's the small press explosion or yeah. or whatever was happening in comics at the time uh because they even talk about what some of the critics were saying about milk and cheese, whether it's the comics journal or the salt lake underground and and it's they're poking fun at 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 everything, but there are yeah it's it's there are things that are written and and drawn in here that that yeah definitely remind me of what was on t v when I was growing up when I was you know coming home from school or 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 the old syndicated reruns of of things like the magic it's like when last year when we were in chicago we had fucking buzzer on all weekend when we weren't watching the motley crew movie it's like that yeah. just that brings it reminded me of you know when i lived out west or lived with my grandparents and and just so there's it, it i don't i don't know why he i don't know how he does it, i don't know why he does it but but these two characters with evan they just twist it all up, and it just it it speaks to me. I don't yeah. know why. Of all the things, right? It's very hard it to explain. Right? It's yeah. It,
1: you, you can't t- like who doesn't love Match Game? But why do you love Match Game? Because it's a mess. Right, match game is um that stupid microphone that Gene Rayburn used—that long thing with the little tiny ball on it. It's, see, it's dumb. I, I, it's just that dumb. Looks
2: dumb. But but you have you know Charles Nelson Smiley and Richard Dawson and whether it's Fanny Flagg and then it's just but it's oh I love then, Fanny Flagg. I would oh, I, I would so throw 100%. a huge dick at her. Yes, her her her, her and 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 Eileen. But oh. the um, <laughs> right stop. But you have um, but but there's just there's you know, I'll as I'm scrolling through or when I'm whenever I'm looking for something to fall asleep to and that and we get buzzer here. So I'll leave match game on. And when it's time to do the big money match at the end, it's like, they'll say something. And nowadays, you know, in the year 2020, I wouldn't think that that would be the match. Like if it was star at the time, it, people probably would probably think star Wars, but because, because by this point, Star Trek has been off the air for years, but there are things where I'll say something. And I'm like, and then I have to realize, well, no, this is, this is 1977 now. What the hell yeah. was going on on someone's mind then? But for whatever reason, like Howard Cosell seems to be a big answer lately. And I'm like, what the fuck? But, right. You know, it's. Right. It, it's and it, like, I find it God, neat that. I can't believe we're talking about the masking right now. I know. I, know. No,
1: I'm, I, I find it neat that milk and cheese seemingly hate everything. They could find fault with everything to the point where they will actively embark on a path of destruction to, to make their, make their, um, sentiments known. But Mm -hmm. they have sacred cows and the sacred cows are ridiculous. Like the Hervé Villachais death panic. When, when they, when they read that, Hervé Villachais died and they're like, why? And they just go out and start destroying shit because Hervé Villachais died. And then they find out that Telly Savalas dies, and they're like Kojak, no, who loved you, baby? And they go and then they destroy again. Like they're they're monsters, but they have things that matter to them, and they're the weird things, off the cuff things, and it's just it's it's stupid funny.
0: So you just hit on the the big difference between having nostalgia for this and having read it for the first time. Mm. No, in the sense that that um, I mean you guys said it all it it's it's a product of its time um, the type of humor that Dorkin embarked upon is really commonplace now, yeah like there there are, there's a lot of milk and cheese esque things in every medium now, so you don't have to look along at hard for that kind of humor um And because we're in a world where everybody fucking complains about everything other than their sacred cows online, this was really hard for me to enjoy because it just felt like, and you know, listen, much proper to him, but it just felt like when Evan went on tilt on Twitter a month or two ago, and it was like, oh. Yeah, like this is just you. Like this you've been this person your whole life. You just you're angry. You just find reasons to hate things about the world. Like you just you're you're a person who is perpetually mad at the world and your circumstance and everything that you think sucks. And I just like was like, Oh, this is Evan Dorkin. Like I don't like this is this is who he is on Twitter. Like he goes on tilt on Twitter and then he disappears for a while, embarrassed and he comes back and he apologizes and then he goes on tilt on Twitter, and he comes back and he apologizes. And like you said, Vince, like I think the craft is is absolutely impeccable. Or I should say, Dapier, I mean, you're, you're right. The, the art itself is beautiful. And, like, it's incredibly well put together. And I totally get why, if you do love it, you love it. But, like, this, as you said, Vince, this was absolutely the wrong way to expose me to it for the
1: first time. Yeah, too much.
0: Like, it would have been way better for this to be, like, a comic strip on, comic, you know, comics, like, comics.com or something where... I was checking in on it like once or twice a week, reading a panel or two and just laughing about it. Cause then I think in small doses, it would be very funny, especially certain subjects. But, but yeah, like as a work, as like a magnum opus for his career, I'm left thinking, wow, it's like incredibly and, and depressingly one note in its execution. I,
1: yeah. But I do think um, while it was being produced, Dorkin was incredibly prescient because the his milk and cheese is eventually like you said what the internet would grow into just people bitching and 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 just blazing a trail over the things that they hate while championing the few things that they love like that's online culture right there, mm-hmm. there was no online culture when these things No were going and that's out.
0: what i'm saying i i think right i can see this would have been this would have felt and read so much differently in the 90s when it was coming out yeah
1: yeah yeah, maybe you would have a soft spot for it i I think you would
0: oh I don't doubt it like no that's the thing like i i don't. that's why I don't want to shit on it like i don't i'm not i'm not mad that we picked it and i'm i I didn't mind reading it i just but i i did think i don't know maybe a hundred pages in even I was like oh i like I probably could not read the rest of this and like i like i I get the joke you know what I mean right like but i don't i didn't want to cheat you or david or, or the audience so I kept reading but i, I but I thought like okay and then once I finished it, I thought, no, I was—I mean, pretty much from my vantage, right? Like, it, it artistically it evolves, but thematically, structurally, tonally, it's it's what it is, right? And and it's a really good version of what it is. Obviously, it's there's been a, as we just said, there's been a, a litany of other types of stuff that are. In, in some way evocative of this that so there's clearly a market for it but I yeah I was like okay yeah I get it like
1: I kind of okay cool right. and I like, think I that's, get it now
0: like I I will never need to revisit this in my opinion
1: gotcha and I think that's why Dorkin himself himself hasn't really pushed to continue or to perpetuate the milk and cheese because there are a ton of things out there now that are like milk and cheese so it sucks to be him in a way where he created these characters that were very novel back in the day but now there's a bunch of copycats out there that why perpetuate milk and cheese when there's stuff already out there like he created something very special but because of the way things evolved um now he has no outlet for it so again i can i can understand why he would be a little bitter and a little bit uh on edge um, you know, in the socials because he created this great thing and now he can't do anything with it because there's it, it's not unique anymore.
0: Mm, right, right.
1: Yeah, I love Evan. I, I mean, my heart goes out to him. I just think he's incredibly talented. Um, he's an amazing creator, but he he needs to find that thing that showcases just what a virtuoso talent he is. Like, it's not going to be milk and cheese, obviously. And, you know, I don't think Beast of Burden really clicked. I mean, it has an audience, but I, I don't think it's it, it blew up to the point where he, he should ascend to the stature that he deserves, right, in, in the industry. He's great, and he just hasn't seemed to plug into that one thing that unleashes everything about Evan Dorkin that's great, you know. Like Gaiman with... Sandman that just blew open all his creativity and exposed it to everyone. And he, he generated a career off Sandman, right? Everything that uh, um, Gaiman has done in the wake of Sandman has been very much like Sandman In, in, you know, thematically in tone. He didn't stray all that far from Sandman, Right. Um, why can't Dorkin find something like that? That's the trick. If 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 there was a recipe for it, they'd all do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you like you said. Even though I don't want to be duplicitous, I mean, I, I did think this is pretty one note tonally. He absolutely is incredibly funny and acerbic and witty, and he's got an incredible, or at least he had, I should say, had an incredible sense of pop culture and the yeah. the uh, the ironies that go into hero worship and. All that stuff. So th- I do think all of those tools very much translate. They're timeless. I mean, think of how many comedians and talk show hosts and right. I mean, like like John Oliver wouldn't like that's John Oliver's skill, right? Like, yeah. isn't that doesn't he do the same thing in his own way, or 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 any of those guys, right? I mean, John Stewart, any any like they're all doing the same thing, right? I mean, taking a snapshot of of what's perceived as relevant or absurd in the moment and turning it into funny and
1: commentary. I mean. So I, I you know no Chappelle that does Evan that has the too.
0: Capacity to do other stuff,
1: right? I don't know. Um, I just find I hope he finds a an outlet to showcase his talent because he's just I, I think he's one of the best. Yep. Any parting words, Dap, before we move
2: on? Oh man, um, I I I I think. We, we we kind of summed it up. I mean, it's, when I think about, you know, some of the books that, that are on, like, you know, best all-time, things you should have on your shelf, then, I mean, selfishly, I think the milk that you should be on there. Again, not for you to sit down and, and read like it's an omnibus and, and read consecutive issues, but it's, I think it's, it's, it's not only for me, it's not only a window of, of what was going on in the industry at the time, but um, in the pre-internet days and, and the pre um, for the most part wizard magazine days, but it's, it's also, it, 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 somehow captures other things all on the page, but he, he's able to just manipulate things in me that, that, that kept me drawn to it. And, and it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, Hard for me to explain in a way, but I think that um when we talk about other works that other people might think, well, okay, this is yeah, you know, if anybody's gonna read Brad Pack for the first time, like, like like Jason's doing, that might not Hey, Jason will understand its significance from when it was published, but it it it's kind of watered down in the days of, you know, post Watchmen and anything that uh you know the, the worst part of, uh, or the most violent aspects of things like Invincible or anything like that, everybody's already done that. Yeah, and, definitely and, and, the boys, yeah, so right? And, you know, especially yeah. the boys. So, but, but I still think that it's, it's, for me, it's, it's something that should be recognized and, and and appreciated in that regard. So, no, I, I, I still, I still think it's something that that people should read, experience, but it's, it's obviously not going to hit everybody. And if it's, if you're going to read it for the first time, decades later. It's it's probably going to lose some of its punch.
1: Yeah, one of the things that just brings up that the flames behind my my eyes is when someone says, you know, this didn't age well. Well, it, it's not supposed to age.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, it's art. It's not going to conform or change based on the 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 current times. It was produced in a in a period, a very specific and finite period and now time has moved on so y- y- it's it's not fair to expect a work from the past to rise up to the current times it's it's right but you
0: don't begrudge because you've never gotten like mad like you don't begrudge the idea that if you consume it at a later date that it's not
1: going to be necessarily the same for you right no but that's not the the fault of the the no work, I the work of art that's it's because I I,
0: preface it, like that's why i tried to preface like i don't I think I, the, the fault is in me having ha, having read it in two thousand twenty. Right. Well, because
1: you're a level-headed yeah. thinking individual, but you have sure. a lot of people online, especially that would read something and say, "You know what? Um, Invincible does this a lot better, and Watchmen killed it." But this Brad Pack stuff, it just seems like it's, it, you know, it, it's it's uh, derivative, and it's not. It was the first, you know. Yeah. So, the, so the
0: the intellectual, like the the uh, it's fun. I just tried to say our show was intellectual. The, uh, the we are uh, the like academic process of evaluating this stuff. I think it's very important to have the historical context, and I give a lot of credit to things I think are first movers, right? Like this, or like I, I, I do think that is important to recognize when something is um, new or groundbreaking in the moment. Just to, for context, I think that is important. But I do think, as you're saying, it's a far different experience if you're just if you're just consuming it as entertainment. Right. So sure. like, 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 well, to me, I think a great example is, is burn Claremont X-Men or any of those eighties comics. Right. I mean, they're the Holy grail for us. The early eighties comics are like, in all it's forms Or that's our stuff. That's why we're doing the show. That's why we're in our forties and fifties still like obsessing about this stuff more than anything else in our lives. But I can't objectively tell my 14 year old son, To like that, I'm not gonna. I can't be upset with him if he tries to sit down and read Burn Claremont X Men and he finds it wordy as fuck and and like doesn't understand the the exposition and wants to know why it's just not being shown on the page and prefers the movies. Right, like he's not wrong for his interpretation of it (laughs) because of what he's been exposed to before that. Like, because what you're getting at, which is an interesting discussion, maybe for another time. Which is since art is what it is it's really more about the time sequence of when you experience art than it is when it comes out. Sure. Like if you read the boys when it's coming out and then you read rat pack, like it stands to reason. You're probably not going to appreciate rat pack for everything that it was at the time it came out. But needless to say, I'm sure many people read rat pack and then read boys and thought, Oh, this is fucking derivative. I've, I've I I was, I was on this when it was the OG idea, Right. Right. So it's 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 more about when you consume it, chron- like, in order of, of your consumption than it is even the time that it comes out sometimes. Right.
1: Well, I always go back to Crazy Cat, which I think is one of, if not the greatest, example of sequential art ever produced, right? So if you it were... In
0: your, uh, it was in your top five of our comic strips, yes?
1: Yes. Uh, if you were alive in 1920 and experienced Crazy Cat as it was coming out um uh, if you were of uh, a certain mindset you would realize you would recognize that it was an experimental cutting edge extremely novel status quo changing piece of work i oh, yeah. i experienced crazy cat for the first time in the early 70s and while it was by then old it still was revolutionary and and cutting edge and while i didn't understand uh, as a kid, a lot of the uh, the dialogue and the, the, uh, the way Harriman plays with the cadence of words and speech. Um, now, as an adult, I look at Crazy Cat as one of the crowning achievements in comics ever. But if I ever put Crazy Cat in front of my kid and said, this is as good as it gets, read this, they'd be like, I don't understand any of this yeah i yeah. don't why are they speaking like this i can't understand it this this mouse just keeps throwing a brick at this cat this is dumb i don't get it but when you take the time to at least try and bring your mind back to the 20s when this was coming out and and try and decipher i mean it takes work you're not just going to sit down and read kate crazy cat and say wow this is a monumental piece of work it you need to bring yourself to the art not bring the art to you Mm -hmm. so it it, it's but it that's a product of being finite organisms you know time goes by and and you can't stop it so um if we
0: yeah i think another another um entertainment medium that i feel people might relate to on this is video games
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right like I remember as a kid playing Super Mario Brothers and Zelda on my Nintendo. And to my mind, they were groundbreaking jaw-on-the-floor graphical experiences, right? Like, you couldn't believe what you were looking at on the screen. Now you would look at them and be like, what in the fuck? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, Like, now you have video games where literally my kids are playing these games. It looks like real human beings running all around real terrain doing... Feats of wonder. Yeah. You know?
1: Yep. And there's
0: always going to be that small contingent of people that are into retro stuff.
1: Oh, I'll take so, an 8-bit game over a th- super real... No, that's real, what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. My, my point is that there's probably some 18-year-old out there listening to like, dude, 16-bit rules. And, like, that's cool. You do you. But my point is most most teenagers would look at these games and be like, oh, my God, how did you play these? These are terrible. I can't even tell what I'm looking at on the screen. You know? But for us, they were the goat. They were the OG. They were yeah. the best.
1: Got to say though, there is something very compelling about Doom Eternal, but that's a conversation <laughs> for a <laughs> yeah, conversation a game, yeah, for another day. Um, yeah, I am not into those. So, uh, where was I going? You, yeah, I don't know. we were wrapping it up. We were wrapping it up. Yeah, but anyway, wrapping
0: up the book of the month.
1: Part. Yeah. So there you go. Um, milk and cheese, Evan Dorkin, dairy products gone bad. Um, if you want to laugh your ass off, get it. Read a little bit of it and go back to it a couple of weeks later and read yeah. some more. And it, it, it'll
2: have you in stitches. It's very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. And maybe use it as a palate cleanser and not something to. Yes, that's exactly right. Sure. Don't.
0: Yeah. But I think you were right too, though, David, in the sense that I think reading this in bits is the way to go. But I'm so glad that you mentioned some of the other strips out there, like the Calvin and Hobbes, because. Uh-huh. I do think, like, I absolutely could sit down right now and read 100 pages of the Calvin and Hobbes hardcover and be entertained from start to finish.
2: 100%.
0: Like, I wouldn't feel like that's one
1: note. Yeah. Same thing could be said for Peanuts or any of the Absolutely, right. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Because there's enough going on and, I mean, and and yeah, things like Calvin and Hobbes was was pretty much each one was standalone. I mean, they would go back to, he'd go back to Spaceman Spiff or you know, he'd bring up Moe and there would be callbacks, but they weren't it wasn't like it, it. It wasn't like Bloom County or Doonesbury, where where every week, every every day of the week is one long plot, or or the Amazing right. Spider Man strip, and and whereas, but but something's always going to be different. You can sit down and you can read Calvin and Hobbes because every day is going to be yeah. a new strip, and whereas this. Again, I don't want to say it's one note, but it it is it it's they're going around and they're beating people up and they're angry and they're yelling about things and and it could be, you know, they're they're yelling about school bus drivers in one strip and they could pretty much be drawn the same way and be yelling about cashiers at the supermarket and and it's just right. it's it's the, the, the same. The setting is different. The, the 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 wherever they're at is different, but it's still it's still milk and cheese. They're still angry about something. Right. And, the, and the key and
1: is character development. Whereas you see that, that, it, yes. c- character exactly. and narrative development in the classic strips like Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes. Things change and, and yep. characters for the most part grow and they, and you, you get to, to really understand and, and, and know the characters over a period of time. Milk and cheese are always milk and cheese. Yes. There's, there's really no development at all they hate stuff in the first trip they hate stuff in the last strip that they, yeah. they're, they're fueled by hate you know gin makes a man mean <laughs> it's it's a, it's a sitcom
2: at, yeah. at the end of the episode is exactly how everybody's going to be yeah from the beginning of the episode and, and a, I,
0: a, I think too like part of this is also are you interested in that kind of entertainment generally because um i did see a review of this and it was a modern review, and they were saying things like, "Well, Beavis and Butthead, and yeah. South Park and and like I thought, oh, see, what's interesting about those is I don't like any of those things. Like, they, I, yeah, I don't, don't, I don't I, care for South Park. I don't find any Never of really those funny. I think somebody. they're they're yeah. also not funny to me. So,
1: Beavis and Butthead is not funny to you.
0: I I did not find. It. I thought it was one note. Like I watched it on MTV as yeah. a kid, and I thought uh, after like a two weeks, I'm like, oh, I get it.
2: Like, yeah, okay." Yeah, that's pretty much me too. you. Yeah.
0: Especially because I was their age when it came out, and I thought I, I like, I literally avoid hanging out with these kind of kids in high school. Like these are the kids I don't, I don't say hi to, and I don't hang out with out, outside of
2: school. Those are the kids I hang out with. Though. That was like, my posse, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, yeah, listen, my that we
0: we we We're in our forties, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: or thirties in my case,
2: but you get the point. Yeah, <laughs> Just gotta stick with you. All
1: uh, right, so uh, let's move on. What else do we have?
2: Thank you, Evan, for making this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we can we give
0: a quick thank you? Just a quick thank you?
1: <laughs> sure. Oh, you don't well, have right to ask. Oh, wow. With ahead,
0: the, with the pause. No, pause, why you... No, why you got to ask? That's, that's true. <laughs> no, I just... I, I wanted to make sure that uh, after your absolutely ravishingly glowing review of Gamayun Tales, uh, Volume 1 by Alexander Ukin from No Brow last episode, um, as you were reviewing it, I ordered a copy on Amazon uh, and it arrived and then... The same day, I got another package from Mr. Tony Esmond, our good buddy who works at NoBrow, who sent a copy to me, and I believe to Dap as well, yes?
2: Yes, he did.
0: Yeah, so much love to you, Tony, because that's awesome. So I now have two copies of the book, and we'll put one uh, into the hands of one of our beloved patrons soon enough.
1: So that's right. that's two copies that are going to be dispersed, because I'm going to do that as well. Oh, you're giving your copy away? I have one coming from Discount Comic Book oh, Service. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's the one. I'm okay. not giving away the one we got directly from Nobra. I will gladly give it I didn't
2: know d- you got a copy from Nobra. I thought you yeah, got it. Yeah, I thought it. it was the one you ordered, yeah. Yeah. No, you, no, no. You were, like, talking I about No, you said you were right. Yeah, and then you did say that. Yeah, because you did say you were you were giving a copy away. And it, yeah. It, yeah, it makes sense now. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So, what would yeah. you think? Well, I no, haven't read, read it yet. Cause oh. you are reading Milk and Cheese.
0: Well, yeah, but no, but I did page through it, like the, and when it arrived in
1: oh my god, the
0: art! I yeah. would love to own a page, it would be so <laughs> yeah. much fun to own a page
2: yeah, I don't think
1: it's digital, I really hope it's not, but I, I don't see it being digital, it, it oh, looks, it's, it's digital, too yeah. textured, well hey, there's a lot of applications that can generate those kind of marks these days,
0: and uh, putting aside any delays that are caused by what's going on in the world, August we get the next volume, so,
1: yes yeah, fingers crossed yes, I, uh, yes, I hope so but uh, okay, so let's talk about some other comics.
0: All right. Oh shit! Sorry, I just punched the mic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so hardcore. <laughs> uh, i was
0: a little hot and bothered.
1: So who wants? Come on, let's let's keep the ball rolling here. Um.
0: Okay. Well, I'll um. I. Y'all know I'm a big fan of the Black Hammer universe. Hell yeah! Right? right. Mr. Who Jeff ended? Lemire. His, uh, his world, his, his superhero world. Um, I double-dipped on this book, and um, honestly, I, sh- I shouldn't have bothered because I didn't read it. Even though I bought the issues, I didn't read the issues. Uh, and then in my latest shipment, the hardcover arrived, and I thought, oh, awesome, I've been meaning to read this. So I pulled out the hardcover, sat down in the, uh, the old great room there with a the glass of cafefe, and I read it today. And it is fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And I hope you both read it. Maybe you have already, but we haven't talked about it. But if you haven't yet, I do hope you do. And that is Black Hammer, Justice League, Hammer of Justice. uh, By Jeff Lemire and Michael Walsh. Now, I know we talked about the first issue, right?
2: I think we talked about the first issue. I I have to finish it. I have the issues. I just, I, I, I waited, I got halfway through. Uh, when things started going crazy with 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 people showing up where they should be, and and uh, as like, I'm just going to wait for the next few issues and and finish it up. So you didn't like it? No, no. As I was reading it, I would I I enjoyed it immensely. Oh, okay, it, cool. It, it felt like it felt like a crossover that actually would um that there would be changes felt afterward. Like it wasn't just. Oh right. Characters showing up. It it wasn't like the old Superman, Spider-Man where they just happen to be somewhere together. And then they go their separate ways at the end. Never to speak of this again. This actually felt like because they were invading each other's universes that they could make a difference and, and change things for better or worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I'm I, I shouldn't be surprised because Jeff is both an incredibly accomplished creator of his own work and an incredibly accomplished mainstream big two superhero writer, so this is a perfect um, vessel for him. But um, I just thought it was amazing. I really did. I, you know, it's it's it is exactly what it sounds like. It's it's the Black Hammer crew, who are a bunch of um, for those of you that maybe it's been a while since we've talked about it, but but the Black Hammer team are basically the Justice League of of Jeff's, world and uh, they had a cataclysmic battle with a anti-monitor type of, of character who during the battle they get kind of flashed into a different reality which is this small town Americana place where they live on a farm and they can't leave the town it's almost like there's a cosmic barrier and we're introduced to this group of characters 10 years into their exile where they're just desperately well most of them are desperately trying to escape from this World, whereas the uh, the team leader is kind of accepted his fate, and he's kind of uh, the patriarch, and he's an old man now, and he's a farmer. Um, so that's the setting. And then Jeff's done a bunch of other miniseries, many of which we've talked about that that take a look at different characters from the the world. But um, but this is about that central group, the main Black Hammer group, and uh, the the Justice League. And um, I know some of you, I think DAP included, hate Cyborg on the Justice League. <laughs> so I'm surprised that that doesn't bother you in this because he is in it. Yeah, um, yeah, he is part of the Justice League. Yeah. But other than Cyborg, it is Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Flash, Martian Manhunter, and Aquaman. And you're basically a mysterious character shows up. Um, kind of a Natalie Dredd, almost looks like the Riddler. He's he's in a, a, a der- like in a, a a derby hat and three-piece suit, a cane, and he shows up to the farm, and he shows up to uh, a battle in Metropolis, where the Justice League is fighting Starro, and shows up to both, and basically says, I'm sending you both on vacation, voila, and swaps them. So, they get swapped. Now, not everybody in the Justice League gets swapped, because they weren't all there. So, it's Batman, Superman, Cyborg, and Marsh... Cyborg, and Wonder Woman are swapped into the Black Hammer universe, and then like Aquaman and and um, and Green Lantern and the likes are, um, are are still in the like they're still in DCU, and then the Black Hammer people all come to Metropolis and hijinks ensue. Eventually, over the course of it, we find out um, who the person in the three piece suit is. It is a very famous well-known DC 'er neer do I'll leave it at that, because I don't even know if DAP's gotten to the part where they reveal who it is yet. Um, And uh, it's just super well-executed. Like, it's it's, it's both a perfectly well-done within-continuity Black Hammer story, and it's a perfectly well-done Justice League story that you could have easily read in any issue of Justice League at any point in its existence. And I think that is... It seems so easy... But I have to think that it's very hard to pull off, and Jeff pulls it off as he always does flawlessly. And I just was tickled pink from start to finish. And as with uh, many of these stories that Jeff doesn't draw himself, incredible kudos to, Mike, to 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 Michael. You know, I know we've known Michael personally for a long time and been a fan of his work, but he just looks so good in this, and it's just so much fun to see him do. All of the, the these classic DC characters and then to do the Black Hammer universe and his takes on both of them. And, you know, he's he's just he he's such a master of working. I, I know most when I think of his work, I think of him spotting black a lot. He spots a ton of black, much like, like yeah. a zombie. And in this, he doesn't. He really pushes himself. Um, this is a far more colorful book, a lot more white. Uh, an open space and uh, that's gotta be a challenge for him or at least it's 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 a departure for him and I think he executed it flawlessly um, and it's just fun like the book is just fun I mean see, seeing Zaytana show up and there's just tons of little in jokes and there's freaking awesome space whales I just loved it from start to finish I thought it was great and it's it's self contained you could if you're a Justice League fan you could just buy this off the shelf and read this you don't need to know Black Hammer and if you've been reading all the Black Hammer stuff and you just hate big two comics, this isn't you're still gonna enjoy this. It's not gonna matter that these characters are in it. It's it's just a cool story. You can just treat them as some other alternative universe characters that they get swapped with. It's it's just such this is what a crossover should be like. You know, this is what DC and Marvel should do once a year. Like this is the kind of thing that should happen all the time where you just have fun and what happens in the book stays in the book and then it goes away. You can choose to put it into canon if you want, but it doesn't fuck up anybody's continuity lifestyles, and you just enjoy it for what it is, and you move on. I, I give it an absolute A+. plus. I
1: loved it to death. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I have it. I just haven't gotten around
2: to reading it.
0: No, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I was buying the issues, and I wasn't reading them, so
2: it took the hardcover
0: to, to wake me up on it.
2: Sweet. Nice. That's uh, something I didn't want to give the short shrift to either. I want to just sit and read it and put the yeah. issues down one after another. So I, no, I, definitely. I, I respect our creators. definitely should just sit down and read nice. it. Nice. Glass
0: of scotch or something like that. Okay. Whiskey well, with a scotch. There
2: you go. Very yeah. nice. Okay. Um, going in a completely different direction, I read a neat little one-shot uh, called Archie Meets the B-52s. Who published that? Uh, I... Th- <laughs> think it was uh, boundless um so you have this is written by Alex Guerra and Matthew Rosenberg pencils by Dan Parent and I love this because it's not a um it's not a team up I was expecting but inks by J Bone and Dan and J work really really well together uh colors by Glenn Whitmore um the title pretty much says it all it's uh I don't wanna say it's a quick read, but there's not a ton you need to really worry about going into this. Uh apparently over the summer the Archies broke up and uh Archie doesn't have a band anymore. They kinda of went on it's created differences, everybody went on to do their own thing. We don't get we don't get told what happened, what was the straw, or anything like that, but they all went their own separate ways. Reggie came up with a new band, Reggie and the Reggies, and um Betty's kind of doing some beat poet stuff and Veronica's just going out shopping. And so it's a new school year. They're back at school. Kevin is Keller's is, is uh, working at the WRIV, the television station. Archie's an intern there. And Kevin says that he's got a, um, uh, a new um, there's setting up a new variety show and um or he did he's been working on the variety show and the special guests coming up are the b-52s and um and archie's really giddy about that he can't wait to see them because he was listening to one of their tapes earlier in the issue because it just puts him in a better mood um and backstage he he's, he's he comes across herky wilson's guitar and he just starts jamming on it and then the b-52s show up and and they're like wow you know you, really know how to play that and this is great and do you have your own band i really want you know we need a band to open for us before we do our show and archie's like yeah i got a band no problem but he doesn't um so he's kind of depressed about that because he kind of lied to um to to kate and cindy saying that you know i have a band they are like well we kind of put you in this predicament like there's no nobody's really mad at anyone in any of the situations here so so kate and cindy are like yeah we'll we'll help you get your band back together um and that's what the b-52s do they go out they 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 get reggie they get jughead they get petty and veronica get them all together in a classic sitcom fashion where i you know why are you here and they promised me this the band all gets together they jam on some tunes uh and um and it's it's happily ever after at the end. So it's, it's super self contained. Um simple enough story where it's just from start to finish, but it is. It's it's absolutely Archie and the gang meets the B fifty twos. And and um I enjoyed some of the uh some of the sight gags they threw in here, but it was it, it it's pretty straightforward. And it, it it was one of the more um for me enjoyable meetups that uh that that Archie has has had in recent years but yeah and the art is absolutely fantastic we know what Dan parent what his style is um and Jay Bone is definitely letting Dan shine uh but there's there's just enough here where it's it's not just Dan Parent. I mean it's not like he's trying to make Dan look like Darwin or anything like that, but it, it's it's um it's a little bit more I'm not gonna say polished. It, it, it there's just, just some curves that, that you wouldn't normally see, I think, in a Dan Parent comic book. It it's they, he he finishes him nicely, is it doesn't also sound that great, but it's it's a it's a good look for this issue so i was really happy with the creative team but yeah it was it was fun it it, it's basically exactly what i expected um and i ain't mad at it i i uh, i was happy to see it in the box and and took the time wasn't a lot of time took the time to read it and happy i did
1: nice i'm gonna correct an oversight Uh uh-oh yeah and it's a, it's a long running oversight because I have enjoyed and loved this guy's work for a, ever since I, I saw the, the first issue of, uh, what has come to be, uh, a s- series of mini series that, um, the visuals and the storytelling are inextricable from the guy. Like this is his thing. And, uh, it's uh, published by Alterna Comics and the series in question is called Blood Realm written and illustrated by Robert Geronimo. Now, I talked to Robert, when was it, David, two
2: near Comic-Cons ago? Yeah, it wasn't last year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: so, I mean, this has been percolating for a while. I love his stuff. But I, for whatever reason, I don't know, I, I haven't brought it to the show. So I'm going to correct that oversight. Uh, and Alterna recently published, um, they, they call it the Alterna Giant, where you'll get the equivalent of three or four issues for 5 bucks in, in one shot. So they published Volume 1 of Blood Realm, which is the Dark Covenant, three issues, a bunch of really gritty, toothy back matter for 5 bucks, And Volume 2, which is uh, the Shadowed Kingdom, again, $5 through the equivalent of a three-issue miniseries plus the DVD extras in the back. So if if you are not um, a fan of Geronimo, you you may be after I'm done with this. Because uh, it's a fantasy epic. and It's a dark fantasy epic. And like all great sprawling fantasy epics, what do you need to have? You meathead. No, you need to have a map
2: you got to have oh, a map. Horse.
1: And there's a map in the back of, of both of these books to tell you or to show you the progression of the characters as they, they go about their ways. Um, so he lays down the history of this land called Mordrin. okay, And it all begins in this uh, a kingdom called Vorogoth, the last kingdom of man. And their princess is in a bad way. She's sick. They don't know what the hell's working on her. None of their 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 doctors can can figure out what is eating at this girl. So what does the queen do? She sends out her champion. It's classic fantasy setup. She she sends out her champion, Captain Lycurgus, to find the blood of the uh the old ones, the last remaining old ones. Because purportedly the blood of the old ones has uh, restorative properties. So, like the champion he is, he goes out and destroys all the remaining old ones and brings back their blood. And the princess is cured. Yay! Uh, for his efforts, the queen gives him her daughter's hand in marriage. Thank you very much. Lycurgus, like here's my daughter's hand. Be fruitful and multiply. And that's exactly what they do. The princess becomes pregnant. Um, not only was Lycurgus given the, the princess's hand in marriage, the queen also gave him command of her armies. So, what does a xenophobe like Lycurgus do? He goes out and expands the kingdom of man. He conquers all the neighboring, um, lands and puts them underneath the, the human banner, and this makes him, uh, hated and feared. In the, in the realms uh more than the most uh the satrians they hate him this is a an anthropomorphic race of goat men they absolutely hate this guy and um one of the uh satrians general gorn told the king like you got to watch out for this guy he's bad news he's going to come rushing into our kingdom he's going to destroy us and we need to prepare and the king's like Nah, it's all right so what does lycurgus do he goes in and he raises the the satrians just obliterates you know try, uh, slaughters uh meanwhile while uh lycurgus is doing all this the 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 baby is gestating in the womb and lycurgus comes home only to find that because he killed all of the old ones the gods were very displeased and said, okay, you, you destroyed the last of these giant beings. Fuck you. Your life from now on is going to be hell. The baby is transformed into a live, uh, a Leviathan, rips a- 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 apart the mother. Lycurgus is killed. Shadow falls on the kingdom of Voragat. The queen starts to melt because they transgressed. They pissed off the gods, right? Um, which gives, all of the rest of the world, ample opportunity to seek revenge on uh, Voragoth So what does this the Satrians do? General Gorn walks in and takes over the place. But the Queen, in her last dying breath, says, Okay, you got to stop this guy. Because if General Gorn gets his hand on the ha- on the heart of the Dark Lord siphus and I know where it is, it's in the Tower of Penance, if he gets this thing, the world is going to be his oyster. So you got to get this thing, and you got to stop him. So she sends out um a trio of really formidable ladies. They're, I guess you could call them white witches. They're called the uh, Sisters of Silence. He, she sends these super-powered magical beings out to stop General Gorn, and that's Volume 1, right? Volume 2... While all that shit's going on in Volume 1, General Gorn had this legion uh, called the Scorn Legion. Really great, amazing, bloodthirsty, savage warriors. But they went missing during this battle of woe. Nobody's been able to find them. So he sends out uh, a company of uh, Satrians to find these lost warriors. That's Volume 2. But there is nothing on the stands right now that looks like blood realm i guarantee it um it is an absolutely superb synergy of art and story uh Geronimo's style is very very distinctive he employs a palette of black white and red that's it to great effect and because of the alterna status quo stuff is printed on newsprint it looks phenomenal uh, one of the drawbacks of the Alterna, uh, mission statement is that sometimes the newsprint doesn't take the colors very well, at least as some of them approach color. Uh, sometimes they look too candy colored, sometimes they're, they're washed out or sometimes oversaturated. Newsprint's a, a crapshoot with color, as we've come to know over the many decades reading these things. Geronimo played it smart. All right, I got this this methodology here that, you know, it's, it's, there's a whole lot of wiggle room within, you know, laying down colors. I'm just going to use one and he uses red. So symbolically, thematically, if your book's called blood realm, I would use red, right? Yeah. Um, visual or in, in terms of style, Geronimo's kind of like, Ah, oh, boy. It, it, he's very, very unique. It, 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 German expressionism rules in this book. Very, um, experimental. He, he, I go back to this one artist, XNO. I call him Zeno, but his name is really Chet Darmstader. Uh, J uh, David, you've seen XNO's work a, a million times. Uh, Jeff Gaither. He looks kind of like a little bit like Tom Sutton in some spots. A little bit Basil Wolverton in other spots. A little bit Richard Corbin. Like, the guy's got, I I think there's a lot of influences here, but ultimately it's distilled into this very, very unique style. And it is filthy, dirty, Uh, there's a lot of spatter, there's a lot of characters that their skin is just dripping off their bones and you have these monsters that are just horrific uh there's a wingless dragon in one in one of the series it's amazing um but chiaroscuro at the ass it's very stark he uses negative space to super effect like if you want a, a a treat for your eyes that's way way off the beaten path i would take a look at at blood realm it is unbelievably good to the point where, if I had the option, I would take home a couple pages for my nice. very own, yeah Man, um, that's
0: big that's big talk
1: it is that's big talk, nice. yeah, but I mean it it's amazing that somebody straight out of the box could find a thing that will they'll be known for their entire careers, like blood realm is you can't separate Geronimo from blood realm if he decided to do another book that was different uh in concept and theme i would be seeing blood realm i mean that's Mm -hmm. how tightly interwoven this guy is with this work it's amazing it's just totally jaw-dropping so especially if you like fantasy stuff dark gothic really visceral bloody fantasy this is the book for you yeah there's not a lot of sunshine in these things volume one does Ain't not
0: no sunshine when she's gone
1: this very true uh volume one ends on a not great note and volume two does as well <laughs> and you have this giant leviathan baby that after it kills mom and dad and leaves the kingdom wide open for uh to be conquered it just leaves so it will come back someday and there's currently a third blood realm series uh i don't know if the first issue came out yet but it will so um, even if you pay retail for these things, they're, what, a dollar fifty an issue? So it's going to cost you four fifty for a three-issue series. Like what? A pittance. It is. So check it out. I, I 100% wholeheartedly endorse his work and these books. Okay. And again, we talked about a bunch of stuff this episode. If you want to see examples of any of it, go to our website, 11oClockComics.com, click on the episode 662 is it yeah. yeah 662 thread and a gallery will pop up and you can click on it and scroll through it and all of this stuff will be splayed in front of your eyes and you'll be you'll be joyous same word yeah all right let's do it this episode has been brought to you by discount comic book service dcbservice.com Where get your books get them fast get them delivered straight to your door and do not forget that's not their only entity on the internets, they also do instocktrades.com where you can get trade paperbacks and hardcovers for massive, massive discounts. So just go there and we will weather this storm. We will. We'll find ways. Support your independent comic book producers. Uh, get on the socials and, and look for the work of these guys. It's there. Instagram has a plethora of guys just doing it their own way. So support them too. In the meantime, I'm not going to go deep on this because I want to talk about it in, uh, at length, but I recently finished a book from Fantagraphics written and illustrated by a woman, uh, that goes by the name of Moa Romanova. It was, uh, translated from its, uh, original language. It's called Goblin Girl. And I'm not prone to anxiety. In fact, I really don't understand uh, a lot of the things that beset people with uh, the, the things that they, they go through with that affliction. So it's all, it's all Greek to me. But God bless you. I, I real, now I, I, from reading this book, the, the title character, which in the book is either semi or completely autobiographical. Um, Moa, the artist and the main character, uh, is an artist and she's racked by anxiety. Um, finds herself at a loss in, in, in almost every situation. Uh, just retreats within. She, she likes to stay in her apartment making her art, but she doesn't, you know, uh, she hasn't really exploded because of the, the thing that has beset her but she finds a patron in a man who turns out to be a very popular celebrity um and he kind of bankrolls her um and the relationship could turn uh, romantic but moa doesn't allow it in some instances um she doesn't encourage it uh she just wants to and the the man's much older than her and she wants to just, she, she she's wondering whether he has a genuine interest and respect for her art or whether he just wants to get in her pants, you know? And a lot of social instances come up. Um, uh, again, I don't want to go too deep into it, but if there was ever a book that made me weep for the, the bygone days of Picture Box, it's this book. This book would have been... A crown in the picture box, uh, oh, a jewel in the picture box crown. It looks a lot like the stuff, um, Picture Box published. And it reads like it too. Uh, it, it's very Fort Thunder, if you're familiar with the, the, mm-hmm. the artists that came out of that, uh, conglomerate. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. But I mean, again, it, it, wonderful is a re- really fluid term. It, it made me understand what it means to, to be uh, afflicted with this condition I don't want it I never want it now by 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 reading this but uh yeah so more on goblin girl later uh Moa Ro- Romanova published by Fanagraphics it's a hardcover it's fairly inexpensive for the the uh, size and the thickness of it so check it out I loved it
0: That's, it, it was com- com-
1: completely compelling to me which is weird because I normally don't Concern myself with stuff like this, but it, the the world uh, and the character of Mulch just completely sucked me in.
2: Yep, very cool. Uh, I did some catching up on Ghost of Spider, and I always have to stop when I'm looking at these issues because the seventh issue cover is done by Paul Pope and it's a very simple image, but it's gorgeous and I can never take my eyes off it. And it's so makes me happy that this covers for number seven because it washes away the sixth issues cover, which is by Greg land, but the interiors, um, for the most part, uh, illustrated by, um, kishi miyazawa and it is gorgeous love the art um there's a a slight um manga-ish feel to it but it it's really fitting with the way um peter parker's portrayed gwen is portrayed uh the other classmates at at the college um and even professor Miles Warren, but the, uh, and then the most recent few issues, the current arc, uh, is illustrated by, uh, Aguara and it's
0: oh, pet Avengers fame.
2: Yes. And, and it looks great. I I remember Igg's work on pet Avengers and, and the, uh, the Marvel adventures Avengers line and Marvel adventures line with the Avengers books. And, um, there's, this isn't that same, Kitty cartoony uh look it's it's i like it a lot they they, they both artists complement each other it, it, it's not jarring when you go from from one artist to another when you go in between arcs but uh the first few issues basically gwen gwen stacy of earth 65 is going to school at empire state university on earth 616 and uh so she uses her interdimensional pendant to go between the two earths and she's on the stark visa which allows uh students from other dimensions to attend school in the marvel 616 dimension um then we find out is the issues continue that, uh, you know, the, the visa allows for students to take, uh, hey, this, you can have, you can have a, some absences because, you know, God knows if an alien is attacking your dimension, it's not exactly like you're going to be able to make it to class. So allowances are made, but uh, while Gwen is at school, professor miles Warren is an instructor here and sees Gwen. And it is of course, just like he was way back when smitten and, feels that you know if there's a Gwen Stacy in this world that exists she must be mine and uh as creepy as it is since she's you know boy that half his age um he's just obsessed with her and there's an Australian student who he uses to win Gwen's friendship and basically he's she's his spy um and he ends up gifting her with a serum, which kind of turns her into um uh, almost like a werewolf kind of thing it it's it's more like a tasmanian devil maybe but uh they um there's an altercation that happens, and um uh, Gwen handles that but it doesn't um but because benji is 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 the student's name because Benji doesn't do what she was supposed to do uh she of course suffers miles's wrath and, um, he does away with her. He turns himself into the jackal and follows Gwen to earth 65 and, um, kind of makes a mess of things over there. And and he stays the jackal on earth 65, uh, ends up meeting the miles Warren of that earth uh they exchange words and and kind of work together a little bit but what what's interesting is once i'm not i'm not going to spoil how that storyline or that arc that, that that for the most part that the miles warren on earth 65 as the jackal is still a um it's a dangling thread it hasn't been resolved yet he's still doing it but he's we we've cut from that arc and the past couple of issues have been focusing on a couple of other characters who we're familiar with, but haven't really seen on Gwen's earth. And that is Susan and Jonathan Storm, who are basically influencers. Their father, Franklin Storm. Like
0: social media influencers?
2: Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) Fortunately. Yes. Jesus Christ. And the reason they are is because mom needs to get paid. Franklin, franklin storm is convicted serial killer and they were very affluent and well to do in their social circles but of course once franklin goes to prison um mom isn't uh thought about well and and is shunned from um from society and when um she realizes you know i need i need to get paid and and you know that my, my husband is no longer around and and i need my my kids to my kids need to do something with themselves so i'm going to use them because they're very they're very photogenic so she she ends up yes yeah, she 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 pushes them into becoming um instagram models and influencers and uh they're I guess you call it a vacation, but they're out doing their thing and and engaging their audience. And, uh, their next stop is Latveria. this was five years ago. And, uh, all of a sudden they go missing. No idea. Don't know what happened to them. People look for them. They're gone. Don't know where they went. And five years later, they show up at, in Times square. They just appear in Times square. And, uh, the they're at a loss as to what the hell's going on. they have no idea the amount of time that passed because when they show up at the police station and george stacy is is talking to them and 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 trying to get a feel for what's going on and fill them in with what's been going on um before their mother shows up and and throws a fit uh they make a they make a very the the creative team um, and and I I'm completely overlooking the writer and I apologize for that that's uh Sheenan McGuire. Um, the George Stacy comes in with a cup of coffee and he hands a cup to he hands the mug to John and he does but they make a point to say careful it's hot so he goes out he grabs the cup says thank you and then when Captain Stacy is explaining what's going on. John gets excited and and he slams his fist down on the desk and the coffee splashes and Captain Stacy says, are you crazy? You're going to scald yourself. And John's like, oh yeah, oh ow, that burns. And I'm like, all right, so they're really not being subtle about any changes that these kids have gone through. So now mom shows up. Takes the kids, we're going home, gotta get out of here, this is crazy. The paparazzi are outside because I'm sure mom called them. And they're all up in the family's face, and almost like a gust of wind or maybe an invisible barrier pushes the paparazzi away from them. No idea how it happened. Everybody's like, Oh my god, what happened? And they just keep walking. And it's obvious somehow they've been granted powers. But it looks like something I wasn't aware of because I, I haven't read every single issue of of um, Earth-65's adventures. The Reed Richards of Earth-65 is like a 12 or 13-year-old kid, um, chess whiz, and he has met or is aware of other Reed Richards, and Gwen makes a point to say that, you know, every other universe I've been to, you know, The fantastic four they may not have always been good guys but there was the four of them they were a family they were pretty much always together they were all similar in in age um obviously that's not the case under 65 because sue and john are late teens early 20s maybe and this and reed richards is is practically prepubescent and not sure why that is uh he's still hella smart but um I'm not sure if he's going to come into play later. All while this is going on, though, the maker from Earth 1610, the Ultimate Universe, is watching Gwen Stacy. For whatever reason, we don't know yet. But he's watching her. So the other Fantastic Four members are probably going to be in the mix. But the um the ARC, the current arc hasn't finished. I was just really in a groove and reading one issue after another because I had, like the past five or six issues to read and and i've i've enjoyed it a lot It it is absolutely one of um one of my favorite marvel books at the moment but yeah it, it, the art has been great i i like how they there's enough going on between the school um now gwen makes a point to say that uh you know she she's glad that peter parker is here because he's a teacher he's dr connor's teacher's assistant but um you know, she's like he he calls her after class, he asked her to stay after class one day, and she's like, Well now now you know um half the class is gonna think we're dating and Peter's like, what? No, and she's like, Yeah, Major Ew, because you know, even if you weren't ancient, you have my dead best friend's face, and that's like that that's way too creepy. So they're really letting you know that that's a relationship that's 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 not going to happen. But uh there is somewhat of a crossover because in the in the most recent issue when Gwen comes to the six one six to go to class, she passes a um, a poster for this new cradle law, which is the law that went into effect, and in the first issue of the outlawed young teen, young vigilante event going on between Miss Marvel and Miles and and the champions, and because. Teenage vigilantes need to be Basically chaperoned, registered Or they're, they're just not supposed to be out Without adult supervision And um, I guess that's going to be Spider-Gwen's going, Ghost Spider's going To tie into that in some way, shape, or form But um, Probably my only nitpick is this one panel Where they just do a close-up on the poster And it's just obvious that It was Photoshopped there To let you know what else is going on in the Marvel Universe It was just it was way too in your face, but the rest of the issue is is great. There's a not so much an argument, but a conversation had between Gwen and Peter about you know how on her Earth this won't be a thing, but there aren't as many heroes on her Earth, and it's not the same, and blah blah. It's I was in I, I was caught up in it. It 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 was a really believable back and forth, but yeah, this is in your travels. I have a long way to me to say I'm enjoying Ghost Spider, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, other people are, are, are giving it a shot.
0: Word up. I, I, this is a first. Everyone got a double Book of the Month this week. Congratulations. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> got a dual Book of the Month, folks.
2: Damn right, baby. That's right. Uh,
0: <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you all talked about this in the two episodes. I missed. I didn't see it in the notes, though. Did you all speak on uh, Hidden Society?
1: Hmm. I don't remember. I don't think so.
0: Because it was the one of your three previews picks two months back when it was being solicited. Yes. Have you read
1: it? Not yet.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I will, again, it's, it's, uh, I'll be quick. It's, uh, won't get into the plot. Uh, First two issues of four are out. uh, And this is Hidden Society by Dark Horse, written by Rafael Scabone. With art by Raphael Albuquerque and colors by Marcello Costa. Um, same creative team that did Neil Gaiman's Study in Emerald, which we talked about when it came out. Um, this is. Um, you know how Mark Miller, he can put out, like, sometimes he can just hit a home run, but other times he does a miniseries and you're like, okay, like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> this is more the latter than the former. It's a premise that I like a lot, which is that there is an old ancient one type mystic. Um, I'm not sure how you say his name, but I think it's like Ulu and he is tracking down. You all know, I love getting the band together type of story. He is tracking down a new crew to be the new hidden society. Um, And it's three, it's three women. Uh, I'm sorry. It's three people. It's, um, it's a, a biker chick Vigilante, Ghost Rider type of person named Mercy. Um, there is a kind of heavy set, ginger, blind girl named Laura, uh, who has a, a. I mean, it's. I guess it's like a gene. It's a. It's a blue flying goat that's got genie like powers that she controls. Um, and then there is. Uh, um, a young magician who was a stage magician, but it turns out he's actually a real magician. And it's, they're alluding to the fact that he's the most powerful of them all. His name is Jadu. His grandfather was part of the hidden society back in his day. And, uh, they were recruited by Ulu to, uh, join the hidden society to fight this, uh, this evil as, as you were, um, all fine and dandy. I love Albuquerque's art. Always do. But, my issue with it is that we're two issues into a four or two miniseries and I still feel like we're getting set up and meeting the team. So I don't know, man, like the ratio of getting the team together to telling the story should be no more than three to one, I would think. So yeah, so I'm, I'm worried there's a pacing issue. So, so far. Okay. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not like yeah. I'm not blown away by it. It's it's a little little it's a little slow,
1: unless they're using the initial miniseries as a gateway to the second miniseries.
0: Yes, they are probably doing that, but I kind of hate that too, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's no guarantee we get a second miniseries. True, in today's market, especially with Albuquerque always being in demand, so
1: it's risky. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it's risky, but love the Albuquerque art, and um, you know, so like you definitely like it's 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 not a whiff, it's not a whiff, but it's 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 a book that I know that we all talked about, and I know at least talked about pre-ordering so, but uh hidden society one and two are uh like I give them
1: b minuses so far Hmm. well, that's yeah. honest, yeah, yeah, can't expect anything else, right? They can't all be masterpieces, it's true. Okay, everybody, another one in the can. If you want more of the 11 o'clock experience, go to Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget about the Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We enjoyed doing this. We hope you enjoyed listening to it and come back for the next one. In the meantime, say good night.
2: David. Good night Dave,
1: nice put that stopwatch down and now we can get on with the mm-hmm. end, with the end
2: yeah, of I'm the sure put it on the pillow so you don't hear it at the table <laughs> <laughs> the pillow <laughs> hey, he are going to bed right after the people right next to his copy of Ghost Spider because he's got it he,
1: he loves it. his part take right. care of yourselves people and uh, come back for the next one. We'll be here waiting for you. May not be a week between either. Uh oh. A little foreshadowing there. can stop, Yep. Be good. Get out of See. here. Yes. Tell them you love them.
2: We do love them. Right. We want them to be here when we're here. It's true.